uh, internet. Welcome to this week's episode of the Zoom Green Room. This week, I'd like you to pull up an extra musty, dusty, velvety chair and save the the dirtiest, the germiest for our very special guest. (laughs) (laughs) She's worked in theater, film, TV, and she is a fellow dog mom. Please welcome Melanie Mooney. Yay! How are you doing? I'm I'm well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm here. having an unstable your internet connection may having an be unstable, unstable internet. Yeah. Well, yeah. tell tell us where I'm just you're like moving it around. <laughs> you're calling into the Zoom green room from. Where are you right now? In my house in yes. St. John. There in it is. Yes. <laughs> and I've um I'm right above where the internet feeds into the house. So I'm hoping that it works, but we'll see. We'll see. Are you in a situation right now? We'll get into the past stuff in a sec, but are you working from home or are you just on a hiatus? I'm, uh, we finished filming two weeks ago, two or or three weeks ago, and we are done now until the next season. So I'm going to be off for a couple months probably, which is normal. Right. Um, But the last day of filming, St. John's went into like a level five lockdown the last day. So we're locked in the house anyways, just worked out that way. Okay. And yeah, we're, I mean, Toronto is a hotspot, obviously. So yeah, we don't have much going on here either. This apartment is now my prison, but you know, it's, it's fine. Well, we've been very lucky here because there hasn't been a lot of cases. No. And the island has been closed off. So people have been living a relatively free life for most of the pandemic. And uh, we had a lockdown at the very beginning. And then this is you know, almost a year later is our second lockdown. So it's interesting. People sort of got really comfortable just doing their everyday things. And now everybody's home again. And it's a bit of a shock, but you know, the cases are less and less every day. So hopefully we'll be out of this soon. Get those shots out there. Exactly. Come on government. Yeah. So let me ask you attended university in Newfoundland. Is that correct? I went to university I did a theater degree okay. um, at uh, Grenfell College in Cornerbrook, but I had started university in St. John's at Munn doing a social cultural anthropology degree and then switched over to theater. And I had never really done theater before I started doing the degree. So it was all new. And then I was, I was in it. What sparked that change? What- um. You know, I had always sort of, you know, my entire life, my parents had always put me in art classes and dance classes and whatever, but it was never anything that I really thought about pursuing. Right. And then I took stagecraft as an elective and I was like, what? You could get a degree in this? This is awesome. So I just like forgot about anthropology completely and uh, just was, I loved it. I loved it. 
Was that like a theater studies course or was it more focused on performance or? Um, it was, you know, the majority of that degree to me is an English degree studying. Right. Okay. Yeah. Drama. Um, I did stagecraft, but I mean, we did, I think two shows a semester or something. And we went to school from eight 30 in the morning till 10 30 at night, every night. And yeah. And um, then the last semester you go to England and you study over there. Yeah, it was it. You know, I had a really great time and I met so many people that I don't think I would have met in my life otherwise. You know, when I went where I grew up and where I went to school is very sports centric. Everybody, you know, got a business degree or and then yeah. <laughs> nobody was really artsy, you know. Yeah. And so um, and those people are now like some of my best friends. So it was, uh, it was a really, really good decision and experience. And I'm really glad I did it. Was that, I always remember you mentioning that you, um, you'd worked at the Coddleslow. Was yeah. that part of that exchange? Well, you know, it's interesting because I'd always loved traveling and I always, so I was used to that my whole life. Like my family always traveled a lot. And when we went over to England, as soon as I landed, I was like, I could live here. This yeah. is, this could be my, this could be my home. So I came back, you know, worked in summer stock that summer and then said, I'm going back. And I went back like that December. And, you know, at that time it was like internet cafe, like, you know, you just cell phones were new. I had a Nokia cell phone right. and went to the internet cafe and you'd go on the stage website and there'd be listings for jobs. And I got a job um, working in the costume department of a West End show. And then I stayed there for like 10 months and then ended up from there applying for a job at the National and worked in the Littleton wardrobe and the Cuttislow wardrobe. And um, I just had, like, it was, it was the best experience for me, like as somebody who was interested in theater, um, traveling abroad, like just the opportunities oh, yeah. that came my way when I was there and the people that I met, it was like the best, the best experience you could have in that world as somebody who wasn't from there and was just, just completely, you know, welcomed into that community. And I'm still friends with all those people that I worked with as well. So it was, um, it was a really, I had a really, really great time. Was this a, like a, a, not a student visa, but is there, there's a visa you can sort of get under 30 or something? Was it yeah, it was like an that? under 30 visa. So I think you're only allowed to work part-time. So right. I mean, I'm only working on shows. And then I was doing a couple days a week as a theater technician at a private school, public school, it would be over there. And so it was just enough to get, you know, to live off of, but I wasn't, I wasn't there to make my fortune. You know, no, well, so, is anyone in theater ever going ne to never, make a fortune? Probably never. not. But you know, since since then, it's it's funny. You know, like since everything's locked down and I watch a lot of TV and stuff, I've been finding myself like really missing London. And I'll watch movies that are there, and I'll watch TV shows, and I'm like, I remember when I went there. And it, so it's funny how that just gets instilled. I guess I was like 25 or something when I went, and it was right. just like. I had a really, you know, it was the perfect thing to do that I wish I had gone sooner, Yeah, you know, because it really shaped what my decisions would be after that. 
I think it's very easy. I'm from a very isolated place. Like I'm from Newfoundland, I'm on an island and everything seems out of reach. Right, right. And, and going to a big city like that at that age, you know, I think about the things that I did and like I travel through Europe and stayed in hostels. I don't know that I would do that now at this age. I don't think I would sleep in a room with seven strangers and well, travel. Well, certainly not if you'd never done it. Earlier. Exactly. You'd never do it now. No, no. And so yeah. I think that, you know, I, you know, I think about that, like, when I did that, and it was just like, it was what you did, like everybody like backpacked. And, and there was like, like I said, there was no real, no one really had access to the internet. Like now you can just go on the Your internet phone or whatever. Yeah. And you yeah. can look at, you know, people's Instagram videos of all of like, there was none of that. No. Like you would get like a living planet travel book. Yeah, for where you were going. <laughs> I think I've got one. And you would do whatever they told you to do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, but yeah, I've been really like, it's funny. I think a lot of people are doing that. I see a lot of things that people put on social media, and it's all stuff of. Um, it seems to be stuff of times that made them happy. Like people are showing like their childhood toys and their traveling. Yeah, stories and, and yeah. exactly. So yeah. that's something that I've been thinking about is that time that I spent in London town. And how long was that? like a year or a it was a two-year visa two years. okay so I had gone over there for school and that was in Harlow so you had to travel into the city and then I lived in the city for it was for two years and then at the end of the visa I just traveled so I was back and forth a little bit for a couple months and then I came back to Newfoundland for I would say six months and then I ended up in Toronto through a friend of mine that I had met there that I'd worked with in theater who was actually working on a touring show from London that was playing at one of the Mervish theaters and she called me and said you should come to Toronto we're all here and so I went up and I was like I could live in Toronto sure <laughs> I'm going to stay here and I had sort of touch pace with a bunch of people that I had you know lost track of over it's the London's years. premature cousin. Yeah, exactly. Some, exactly. Yeah. But there's a, it's, a, it's very similar and very in, you know, there is the, a weird community vibe. in yeah. Toronto is very similar. Like, you know, it's funny. London seems so huge, but like everybody in the West end sort of hangs out together. Yeah. People know each other. And the yeah. same thing in Toronto, everybody knows each other. It's, it's a small town in a big town. You yes. Know? Yes, definitely. So, yeah. And I had always sort of done costumes and stuff. I'd done some stage management. I toured, some shows stage managing and uh at that point I thought when I was in Toronto I was like I need a real job so I ended up at the Tarragon and that's where we met that's right so I needed a real job so I was the administrator at the Tarragon yeah (laughs) nine to five yeah and that was like my first real job like not real job but you know like nine to five job that was it now tell us tell explain what that means an administrator of a theater so what are you in charge of there (laughs) It was a lot of math. <laughs> what every theater major dreams of. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know that I like, it was a funny thing because it was not, math was not a particularly favorite subject of mine, but I was like, I'm actually good at math. I had no idea. And, you know, I was actually very lucky when I went there because Camilla was the GM. Right. And she, and I had no, I, I had no idea what I was doing. Like the closest thing, that I had to working there was that I had stage managed. Like that was, you know, that was the closest thing in terms of organization. And she really took me 
the first year step by step of everything that I needed to know. So it was almost like an education, right? So right. I would have processed, you know, all of the dues and all the payments. And I was in charge of all of the rentals. The and, rentals is what I remember. Yeah. You doing. And prepping yeah. everything for the accountants. And so it was really great because I got to meet everybody that way too. Yeah. Right. So um, it was good. Like it was definitely at the beginning, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. But then, you know, I was super comfortable in the job at the end and I was a lot more confident. And it was actually very good as somebody who was always sort of creative to then know what goes into actually making this work, you know, like yes. all the things that you need to know. Like I knew that equity handbook inside out at the end of it. Like right. I, knew where to, I knew all the rules and everything that went into a touring show. I knew how to do that. Like, you know, I booked all the flights, I booked the hotels, I dealt with the theaters, like, and just making sure that everything was covered and, I had no idea about any of that stuff before. I mean, most of my experience was in costumes. I knew what people had to wear, but that was it. <laughs> what so. I, I so fondly remember is that you, you, you had that, which some theater people would find that quite stressful. And you were probably the most laid back person I've ever seen <laughs> go through that building. Because some people in there were pretty high strong. I'm going to say that from my outside point of view. <laughs> oh, and yeah. I've always seen... <laughs> I was talking to Jabe about like the fringe, right? I'd be out there just sweating my own weight, my body weight out on a, the, the patio. And you just come out with your sunglasses and be like, hey, man, what's, what's up out here? What's going on? I'm going to see a show maybe. Yeah, give me a beer. I was like, yeah. That's, but you know what? I dig it, that. The thing is, I think that I compartmentalize stress. Like yeah. the whole pandemic has not stressed me out at all like I'm sure that I have some long-term trauma happening that's gonna expose <laughs> itself in my older years but like I've been like oh I get to stay home all the time I'll do all the things I never got to do because I was at work all the time so like everything in my house that's ever been broken has been glued back together yeah. like it's yeah. just one of those things but like I never felt any stress, but I also knew that the big thing at the Tarragon was that there was a really good team so if there was an issue, like if you are freaking out, how are you going to problem solve? That's you know, right. the show's still going to happen when it happens. Freaking out, they're still there. At that time, like I don't, I don't know what it was like before. I don't know what it was like, before, but everybody there was very good at. And you, I was confident that if there was an issue, that I had people. Right. Sorry, I was losing you there. Are you a still bit. there? Yeah, here. <laughs> I know. Do <laughs> you know I'm next to damn new the internet, Melody? <laughs> damn it! <laughs> so I'm gonna blame <laughs> Mel. Okay. So how long are you at the Terragon? Three years, I think. Three years. I, think I, I moved to Toronto. In I moved in 2008, and I stayed there till 2011, maybe. It was okay. like I left with the. A lot of people left at the round. At the time I did. I'm going to try to okay. the extender. We'll pause for a sec. Here we go. Yeah, I'm just trying to get, <laughs> there's an extender over here for the internet. I'm going to get close to it. There you I'm go. Sit right on top of it and see what happens. Okay. Let's see. Here we go. I'm next to it. It's like right there. Oh, there you, now you're like have a curtain and you look like a, an influencer. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> so young uh, so um what uh what spurred the move back 
it was a couple of different things. I was living in a house that the house that was attached to it in Little Italy sold for like $1.2 million. And I was like, I will always have roommates if I do not leave Toronto. Yes. That was the Whoa. that was one thing. Yeah. And so I just felt like I came home on a holiday and I looked at how much houses were here. And I thought I just needed to feel settled. And I had never intended on staying. I was like, I'm gonna buy a house so I have something. Yeah. Um, and then I'll go back to Toronto. And I went back and forth for about a year. And then I thought I'm just going to stay here. And I ended up getting work in film. And so I've just been so busy. I just haven't gone back. Right. And so what, how did you, I like people like you, you're just picking up work. Like it ain't no thing, but it is a thing. It's not yeah. easy well, to do. I mean, do. you meet people over the years, right? That's like right. I ended up at the Tarragon because I had toured a show that was at the factory. And when I went back to Toronto, the first you know, one of the first people I emailed was Colleen at the factory. And she said, we don't have anything here, but Camilla needs somebody at the Tarragon. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. and I had been at the factory, like I think a year before, but I just kept those contacts, you know? So it was sort of the same thing when I came home, I just emailed everybody I knew and said, I need a job. <laughs> Can someone hire me? Way to do it. So what, and now what is the, the, I did actually look, I was sort of stalking you and there's not much to find. Melody. That's good. But <laughs> I did see, is it Blue Ice? Yes. So that's what I left Tarragon to work for Blue Ice. And I okay. was there for a couple years. And is they, that a production company? Like a production a, company. Okay. So I stayed there for a couple years, but, you know, I wanted to be where the action was. Like right. when you're in a theater and you're doing admin, there's still stuff going on. You know, when you're in an office, you're in an office. Yes. You know, if yes. you... So that's just how I felt when I was there. I needed stuff to happen. So so that was that's still in Toronto. Yeah. So yeah. then you come back home, mm -hmm. and what comp? Do you have a company that you work for, like a product, or is it just different freelance type? So when I came home, they were filming uh, Maudie, and I had emailed Mary Sexton, and I said I'm in town, and if there's anything on this movie. I'm available. So I got hired as the travel coordinator on that movie. And then when I worked on that movie, Frontier was starting at the same time. And that was completely crew crewed up. But then they were shooting another movie that they need a crew for. And so I ended up um, being hired to do costumes, uh, like the truck supervisor on that movie. And then after that, it just went from there. And I ended up moving from that movie right into Frontier the next season. So it was, it just happened very fast. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens here. So they're always looking for new people. And, um, and I was, I was here at the right time. So when you're like a travel coordinator or like a truck coordinator, what does your work day look like? Like what kind of hours so and what, what happens well, during the day? Travel coordinator was, I think, a 13-hour day. And I just, at that time, it was just accommodations I was dealing with. And so it was just making sure that everybody was happy in their temporary homes. And then when I was the truck supervisor, that was costumes. So it was a very long day. My days would start sometimes at 4 o'clock in the morning or earlier. And I could be working for, you know, anywhere from like 12 to 18 hours. And you just make sure 
you just dress everybody. It's just basically setting all the costumes, taking care of all the costumes and um, getting them all ready for the next day. And it's, it's super fast paced and um, it's high stress, but I'm very calm. As we mentioned, no <laughs> props. <we> mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you, do uh, you have any staff that is under you to assist you? So the way it works is that there's a costume designer and then there's the assistant designer and then they might have a team of sewers and then they'll have a set supervisor, which takes care of everybody on set. You have a truck supervisor that gets everybody ready throughout the day and sends them to set and then maintains all the costumes and gets everything ready for the next day. And so that's what I did then. And I did that for a couple of shows and the show I'm on now, I'm the assistant designer. So my days are a bit more, they're not as long. Like I'm not setting my alarm, like seven alarms starting at one o'clock in the morning anymore. Oh my God. <laughs> like <laughs> one o'clock, one fifteen, one thirty, one forty-five. It's like get up now, or you're gonna be late and you're gonna be fired. Oh my God. So they I really loved it, right? Like the days the days are long, but they go so fast because there's so much stuff happening. Right. There's always something there's always coming something. up, something yeah. to do. So there's basically human wrangling. Yeah. Um, but now the assistant, does, does this have anything to do with actually designing? It or sort of it- depends on what, like, you know, what show you're on. There's like, I definitely have some input, but you know, when you're on a TV show, there's so many people who yeah. have decisions on how it's, it's, you know, it's somebody else's show. So you're facilitating somebody else's dream really right like people have a show they wanted to look a certain way and you provide what's required so do you shop like do you do you shop or pull we shop we yeah. we rent from rental houses in toronto and uh yeah we shop a lot and um you know you do all the fittings and the alterations and make sure everybody is stunning by the is, time they go to set. And this is a, is this a show that's in like current times? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's a bit easier. That is a like, bit easier. It's a bit easier. If you were doing a period show, you'd have a massive, I think, uh, sewing department. And yeah. right now, I mean, we, we do a, a fair bit of alterations. There's a lot of suits and stuff right. in the show. So, but it's, it would definitely be a whole other like it's just we have a very small team it's there's like six of us um I think on a bigger show if you were going to do you know an Anna Green Gables or something you could probably have a massive department which Canada likes to do every five to 15 years exactly exactly let's do it again definitely fun (laughs) but in a different it's a different it's a different job right it's yeah completely Yeah. yeah it's almost more theatrical I would because you're, you're literally making costumes instead of altering things that already exist. Yeah. And the thing that I find interesting, there's a lot of people who are I'm working with who have worked in theater before. And those people, the stakes are not the same. Like there's more money at stake, but the pressure that you feel like those people are just can handle pressure more. I find like you can tell who the theater people are because they're, they can just handle the pressure because they're like, it's the same thing. It goes back to like, when you're doing a show, people are showing up at eight o'clock and that's it. So you, you got to be ready. Your show is opening well, on March 7th. Same, right? That's it. Yeah. You can tell what actors have done theater. Absolutely. Because they're not phased as, as not phased easily. at all. Yeah. 
So it's a, it's, there is a, a, a large amount of people here who do have theater experience and, you know, they just are, are going with it. They're like, oh, you're, you're not going to do this. Okay. You're going to do this. Okay. That's fine. Because they're used to doing a show where something happens and they just have to fix it. Right. <laughs> they're just like, okay. Completely like whatever you need. <laughs> so what like when do you see yourself do you want to continue on this path or do you have aims to try something new or do you is it just sort of taking it as it as it comes well I feel like when I was younger I was very driven there were so many things I wanted to do and now I just feel like I just want more stability but I do feel you know I think everybody at this time is sort of stuck in a position where there's no pressure because nobody's doing anything. Does that make sense? Totally. But I also think that this time is giving people way more time than they've ever had to ponder what they're doing and what they want to do differently. Yeah. But it sort of makes you reassess like what's important. Like, you know, I had big things that I thought were like, I have to do this. Now I'm just like, you know, I really love my job. I love the people that I work with it. I'm never bored, but I do miss, you know, when I came home, I would make sure I did at least one theater show a year. And that hasn't happened this year, obviously. Um, And so I do miss that, but I I'm also comfortable, you know? Yes. Yes. So I don't know. (laughs) when we go back and forth on instagram which is really the only time we talk we haven't (laughs) spoken in years Um, i know we We have a common love we have a common love well we have our common love of drag race exactly i had no idea about drag race this is the thing i had no idea people had mentioned it to me for years being like you'd really like drag race and i'm like yeah yeah i have a list of shows to watch i'm busy and (laughs) I had watched season eight of Drag Race. Well, you didn't start till season eight. Well, season eight was the only one on Netflix for two years. Is that right? So I watched season eight. Yeah. And Drag Race is very new to me. But now I'm like a Drag Race historian because I've watched every season about five times this past year. Um, And uh, Bob, the drag queen, toured here. The drag queens all tour here. Oh, yes. Well, in in regular times, not in regular times. Yeah. And so everybody was going and I said, I'll go to that. I bet you that will be fun. And then the next drag queen that was, and then a bunch of people had come, like people that I worked with were like, we're going to see Alyssa Edwards tonight. And I was like, I have no idea who that is. Right. And then Latrice Royale was coming and everybody was very excited. And I was like, yeah, I'm in, I'm totally going to go. And then I was like, who's Latrice Royale? So I started watching. You better get watching. (laughs) Now I can't miss it. And then that same year, Trixie came. And so then by that point, I was in, like I had watched everything. There's not enough content. I cannot get yep. enough content. That is, you're one of the only people I've heard say, because there's like 20 <laughs> drag race shows going on at the same time. Yeah, but, I, you can't, know, I, I can't stop watching it. What I remember so upset. clearly is that the first season was the first year that I was in Toronto. Oh, really? And I had a roommate and we both, you know, we have like 5,000 gay friends and everything, but we were, we were home by ourselves. It's myself and a woman named Gwen. And we started watching it sort of mid show. And when they got to the lip sync, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, 
part of the iconography of language then. And she said, you know, it's time to lip sync for your life. And I just said to go, I said, this is the best fucking show I've ever seen in my whole life. It's the best show. Like this, I'm, I'm wetting myself. Like it, I found it so funny. Like the, not the men that were funny, but the way that it was like this contest of like lip sync for your life and uh, good luck and don't fuck it up. And I was like, well, we're watching this. Watching Everything this forever. is so funny and people get really, I mean, I find it very, I find it hilarious. The reaction to fans online that they get so mad and I'm like, it's a TV yeah. show and everybody is like doing their best and yeah, it's, it's hilarious. The, I mean, watching that thing and it was so cheap and it was so janky that I never would have thought that, like, I thought we should watch this because it's never going to be on TV. Like, I really did think this is a one-off this is a, you know what I mean? It's not coming back. It just looked like this $20, yeah. like weird contest show. And I liked it, but I just thought, I don't know. Like, I think we're never going to see this again. So I love that you had watched it since the beginning. Since the first, yeah, the very beginning. I mean, beginning. you know, I started season eight and I, you know, met Bob the drag queen and I was like, I am in. This is <laughs> yeah, the Bob's best a show. good one. Bob's a good Bob's one. Bob's a good one. So yeah. funny. And so then when I watched, and even when everybody said, don't watch season one, it's terrible. And I watched season No, one, season one is awesome. One of the best like ones. Like Chanel? Yeah, Chanel. exactly. Right? Exactly. You haven't told me I'm a beautiful person. Like you can't, now they try to fake that shit then it was right? actually happening that was the great part about it i am beautiful like, <laughs> you are chanel you are <laughs> and he's like okay but um <laughs> but what i actually find the most see i think you could have a job doing this is that what i watch your instagram for is you doing commentary on like 20 year old reality shows like oh, survivor okay. And you really have to talk me through it because I'd never seen Survivor and I find your commentary very helpful because okay, it makes so, me know that I did the right thing by not watching it. Well, you know, it doesn't stand up. It's a different time. Like the things that yeah. they say, you're just like, and I was, you know, we're watching it now and I'm like, different times. And my cousin's kids who were like nine and 11 watch Survivor. They've seen the last couple of years and, you know, she's thinking about getting, letting them watch old ones. And I'm like, okay, they can start on season six. Like anything prior to season six, you cannot let your child watch. Well, the older drag like, races. Well, this is it. Yeah, so, there's a lot of tranny talk. In, well, uh, in exactly, old, exactly, yeah, right? I, I, and it's, I, it's not, not on Survivor. It's like so, so shocking, you know? Like yeah. everybody's so shocked that Richard Hatch is a gay man. And I'm just like, how is what? this shocking? <laughs> like you all live in the world. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So- Anyways, we're back on the, the Survivor tree. <laughs> How but many I mean, seasons of Survivor are there? Like there's four. Oh there's my four god! Seasons <laughs> Why is it? Because there's like two per season. Two, two, per two a year. Yeah, two oh, a year. And you god. know, the thing that I find fascinating with Survivor is that I hate camping, and so to me, I'm watching it and being like, "This is my worst nightmare." Like, yeah. first of all, I am not athletic. I'm an okay swimmer. I uh, hate camping. I do not suntan, I will fry in the sun. So to me, it's just amazing that these people have put them in a situation where they're lying in the dead heat for 39 days, eating nothing. Hey, there's and, plenty and of bugs. Come on. Eating bugs, yeah. rats. And they're doing it for like, <laughs> you know, a million dollars. Yeah. And they get paid, like everybody else gets paid a lot of money, which is, you know, my whole argument is that drag race doesn't get paid enough money. Like the prize should be a million dollars. 
If Survivor's a million dollars, Drag Race should be a million dollars. It's time to up the the prize packet. Yeah. That's it's been the same for years now, and it's like yeah. guys, and they know how to do everything. Well, and also in the states, that shit gets taxed, you know. So they get yeah, like sixty five thousand dollars or something. Come on, that's not fair. I I was listening actually to Priyanka and Trixie, and yeah, I got to I, I got to keep the whole thing, and they were like, "What?" Oh yeah, they went nuts. That was the most shocking thing Priyanka said through that whole thing for them. They just couldn't believe that, that it wasn't taxed. Yeah, because $100,000, I mean, the amount of work that goes into it, the amount of training that you would have to do to be able to, like, they can sing, dance, so, like, beautiful artistry, like, and they get $100,000? No, they need more money. yeah. Well, what it tricks, and I mean, Trixie, I don't feel bad for him because he's rich as hell, but he yeah. did sort of say you sort of break even, like if it's all stars, because they spend yeah. so much money on their costumes and stuff that it well, sort of comes out in the wash at the end, but you've won the show. Well, it's so. that whole thing of like, when you see, because I'm a super fan. Yes, I know. That, like, <laughs> all of their costumes and stuff um, are just you know, thousands and thousands of dollars and wigs are so expensive and makeup is expensive and just getting yourself ready to go. Like how much do they really make in a regular season? If you, unless you make all your own stuff, like you have to pay those designers, I would assume. Yes. Yes. So, you know, they're not, it's, they need more money. Yeah. Let's start a protest online, pay them a million dollars. <laughs> well, what about the Brits? They don't get Jack squat. Oh, a badge they can't get anything yeah a badge there you go you i get it a challenge it's, uh, well it's their laws right but it's still it's kind of tough to like you're like you i i watched like rupaul giving one of them the smackdown for like a store-bought dress and i'm just like they're not winning any money and they don't have any money so what do you want they yeah. went out in the end because you know h&m ended up sending them stuff and i was like you need to put them on all of your posters and yeah. billboards and everything like this is amazing thank god for reality tv you need I mean, to get on a reality tv show like i mean to work on it you know i think it would ruin it for me <laughs> you don't want to see behind the curtain no no i did a reality tv show did come here and i worked one day as a pa <laughs> i ended up falling down and twisting my ankle and almost blacking out oh and I no was like this makes sense. <laughs> this makes sense for me. Never you know? work outdoors. How could I compete <laughs> if I can't even stand here and not injure myself? I'm that person. Oh my God. That's, I'm sorry about your ankle, but that is funny. I mean, it was fine, but I even like when it happened, I thought I was just lying there going, of course. I this am makes gonna, sense. Yeah. This, this, this makes, makes sense in my life. Yeah. And yeah. it was, it never stopped being funny. And people felt so bad. They're like, are you okay? I was like, I'll be fine. You know, like. Bring me a beer. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, you know, it just makes sense to me that this is who I am. Oh, I know a few people who worked reality TV and it's, I, I don't know if, it, I, I don't know how much of it is r- ruined per se, but I mean, the thing is those shows are cast purposely with people who are shit disturbers so then you've got to take care of those people and they're maybe they're not as difficult as they appear on camera because they're they're jacking it up but they're they're not the calmest 
most reasonable people either on purpose. Like they've yeah. literally been cast that way on purpose, right? They want people to fight and stuff. So imagine being like the PA or the the person who has to take care of these cast members. Yeah. You'll do being, yell at me. Yeah. <laughs> being a little on the difficult side, but uh, I, I mean, that's the one thing, at least with these, I feel like with all the streaming services that real TV is kind of made of, I mean, real shows have actually made kind of a comeback, like actual written shows instead of, because yeah. I feel like for a while it was just turning into 100% reality TV all the time. Yeah. A friend of mine who's an actress was here uh, last year and uh we i she had never seen drag race so i showed her drag race and we watched a full season in one sitting and she was like can we watch something with the craft of acting <laughs> what do you, what you mean those challenges weren't good enough for you? i was like excuse me the craft of acting have you not seen like anything that we just watched they have acting challenges they have fake commercials and movies that monkeys have written exactly and they give these guys the script and they're like turn this into emmy winning material do exactly. it no problem yeah but yeah there's so many i feel like a lot of people who had made shows just before the pandemic everybody has, has watched those shows like the scripted dramas and stuff and they've shows that came out this year yes um and everybody has time to watch stuff now Everybody's watching a bunch of stuff that they have not. I mean, I see people who are like, I've never seen Grey's Anatomy and now I've watched 14 seasons, you know, like that sort of thing. It's like, everybody's watching everything. People are rewatching The Sopranos and Mad Men and I rewatched and the everything. entire Golden Girls. That's right. You're welcome. I did it. Seven oh seasons. God. Yep. I have Seven not watched seasons. that yet. I'm jealous, but I know it's on Amazon. So I am going to watch it. It's in there. It's on my yeah. list. I've got 38 more seasons of Survivor to go, but it's on my list. Who's your favorite golden girl? Obviously Dorothy. (laughs) (laughs) Who else would it be? (laughs) I feel like I'm her in five minutes. Oh man. She's another on that show. Oh, I know. I mean, they're all good. It's hard to pick a favorite, but I just go with her because she's the weird giant one. I used to watch it when I was a kid, when it would come on, it was like my favorite show to watch. It's funny how that show was, you know, it just worked like it was for everybody. Like I was a child and I thought it was the funniest show. I, I mean, I didn't get half of the jokes, I'm sure, but it was just, you know, everybody can watch that show and enjoy it. They and got there's somebody for everybody. Way dirtier. And yeah. so because they were three middle-aged older ladies, if you'd done that with three young ladies, the show would no, have been. It would never work. No. And it wouldn't have been allowed. I don't think with some of the stuff that they let them say but they got away with it and they're so charming exactly yeah Yeah. they're real actors well this is it that's the whole stage thing the craft of acting (laughs) (laughs) do you have do you have any uh any television recommendations of things to watch other than drag race other than Drag Race, other yeah. than Survivor, other than America's Next Top Model. <laughs> Please, God, yes. <laughs> um, what have I watched recently that I really... Oh, have you watched It's a Sin? Yes, because I love Russell T. Davis, so I did watch it. Yeah, I did watch it. Yeah, that was... Everyone I watched that should watch the other that. Day. Yeah, Everyone's watched watch it. I watched that. it in one sitting last Friday when it came out. You're a, you're a monster. I am. You're just Absolutely. sitting... For like seven hours just like well 
If I yeah. watched two episodes and went to bed, then I wouldn't sleep because I would need to know what, what was happening next. And I was yeah. so invested that it didn't even, I mean, you know, if you can sit down and watch a movie that's two and a half hours, why can't you watch most of a, True. Right? True. <laughs> um, that one I watched recently that was uh, really good. Um, what else was really good? I May Destroy You. I watched that a couple of weeks ago. I still haven't seen that because I don't seem to have access to it. It's very good. Yes, it's, I've heard it's incredible. So I'm I'm gonna incredible. I'm gonna get to it, but I haven't. Um, what else? Killing Eve. Uh huh. A lot of people good. watching that again. Yeah, and we watched um, like Sex Education a couple of weeks ago. Which is, have you watched Sex Education on Netflix? I've watched some of it. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, that's not bad. Anderson is amazing. Uh, I started rewatching Mad Men again. Mad Men is is my favorite. (laughs) I think. I think we're so lucky. Just anything you want, anytime you want, basically. Well, there's just so much choice that it's hard. You know, I went to watch. I was like, "What movie am I going to watch?" And then you know, half hour goes by and I haven't chosen a movie because there's too many. (laughs) It's like, remember when we used to try to figure out where were you going out to eat? That's, yeah. that's over now. Now it's just yeah. about picking the Netflix movie. Yeah. Like what murder documentary am I going to watch? Yeah. So many to choose from. There's so many murders. <laughs> I, watched I think I've watched them all. The trashiest series called Love Fraud. Is that on Netflix? On, uh, it's on Crave, I think. Okay. Love Fraud. Okay. I it's have this like that. four or five part. Sh- it's not terrible. It's a real thing about the, one of these guys that goes around like marrying different women because he like restarts his personality with like each new, like he's almost catfishing in all these women to marry, get their money and then go on to the next one. This sounds like the perfect television program. I, th- I mean, I'm, I vibe that you would love it. Let me just, and there's, an, uh, there's a character in it. And the thing is, it's real. It's a documentary. It's not, it's not is a it real, real? it's real okay and yeah the, i'm in <laughs> one of the lead characters is this woman this old lady who's a bounty hunter i'm not lying and she drives the whole thing driving her truck and talking with a cigarette just hanging like this and i was just like i love you like you're the new american hero <laughs> like this woman was unbelievable what's so it called love fraud love, love fraud. fraud okay yeah. i'm in yeah. I'll watch I'll watch it tomorrow. <laughs> you should. And it's not that many parts. I think you'll whip right through it. Yeah, I totally will. <laughs> you'll be fine with your little dogs. I got really into marathoning reality TV because a couple of years ago I started watching 90 Day Fiance and they play oh my like God. eight episodes in a row. It goes on for like 12 hours. I can't even watch that. I, I had to stop watching I, it because they're yeah. making too many bad decisions. And it was it's making a nightmare. Me feel That's like yeah. an Orwellian, like weird Absolutely. And you want to root for them. You want everybody to be happy, but they've just made too many bad decisions. It's a Fellini movie. I'm like, who are yeah. these people? Who are if these people? you go people? on holiday and <laughs> you hook up with the guy at the resort, you don't have to marry him. No. You have no. to. You probably shouldn't. You probably really. shouldn't, but you could go back to the resort and visit him, but do not bring him to your small town and, and, and he doesn't want to be there. No. And he, you know, it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of bad decisions. It's almost like it's set up for a show. It's almost <laughs> what it feels like. 
I don't think it's set up for a horrifying reality TV experience. Absolutely. It's okay. <laughs> well, Melanie, I'd like to really thank you for coming on. We sort on. of veered off topic here, haven't it's we? It's gone way off. I knew that it would. <laughs> but coming on, talking about your very storied art, arts career. I think you're one of the people I've talked to with the most varying sort of experiences. And that's why I thought you were so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to, I like, I like knowing how everything works. And I think if you need to want to know how everything works, you kind of got to do everything once. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I don't want to judge that that person looks like they're not doing anything if I don't know what they do. You know, like you see somebody sitting there, you're like, how come they're sitting there? They're not even doing any work. Well, I don't know what they do, you know? So it's, uh, I want to know. I want to get your job next sitting guy. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And everybody has, you know, you need to know all of the things to make it work so that if you want to do something, you know, what goes into it. You know, there's so many people who get positions of power who have no idea what goes into it, but they have the positions of power. They've never done the smaller things and they put so much pressure on the people underneath them and, you know, have no idea what it entails, you know? And that's, I mean, that's just how I think most of the world runs. There's old men in charge of things and have no idea how to actually run their business. Yeah. And they don't think that they should have to. Exactly. And so I feel like everybody sort of needs to know you need to do those jobs. You need to know how everything runs, how the machine runs. Absolutely. And I think especially in the arts, because you're, you're just sort of building up your learning experiences and that whatever that thing is, it is going to pay off in whatever the next job is. Like it is all connected. It is all interconnected. Um, I've I've found that, I mean, I haven't had (laughs) quite the range of you, but I have had different (laughs) theatrical jobs both in front of and backstage and doing other administrative stuff and it all goes hand in hand absolutely like there's so many things that I learned as an administrator that I use as a costume person you know like you still have to know how to do budgets you need to know how a contract works Um, you're dealing with different companies and you know you need to know how that you can't just go in and be like be like I want that and I want somebody to wear that and this is you need to know how to run the department you need to know how to how to work with other people I'm hoping you can take care of your dogs and that they they do well until we're out of this COVID hole and then they'll be free what are their names again Betty and Josie yes they're adorable they're my little angels yeah they're not the best behaved yeah. But uh, their number one thing to do is lie on the couch and look out into the sun. They don't love going for walks. It's the perfect, <laughs> perfect dogs. We'll, we'll just observe it. We don't have to like to it. lie and bark at people that walk by. It's perfect. That's, that's just perfect for COVID as well. Just observe exactly. the world. You don't have to get out there. It's perfect for a house that's snowed in. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And um, now, do you have anything that you wish for people to follow you on I mean people can I I'm not great at social media I mean I will if I get into the zone 
I will put up stories all day long and then I might not put up anything else for six months. But I am trying to document my reality TV watching. So, I mean, that's on the Instagram. Um, but I'm just your a, name. I think it's Melanie Maud, maybe. On Melanie Maud. Maybe we should double check. <laughs> double check that. I have no idea. <laughs> I'll tag you. But I'm an that. observer anyways, right? So I oh, am yeah. obsessed. I'm always on Instagram, but I'm more interested in what everybody else is putting up. I'm just, you know, there's so much content. People are doing so, so many great things. Um, and not so great as well, but, um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big scroller of the gram. I would definitely say to follow (laughs) when you do post, you're on a roll, like your stories. Well, I don't stop. Like it's, you don't stop. If you are, you know, if I'm watching season eight of survivor and I start posting episode one, you better be ready to stay with me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. For the whole thing. It's really interesting things people won't be thinking of, like Ralph ranking. It's not just run-of-the-mill commentary. It's in-depth and thoughtful. I would. Yeah, I I made a list of my favorite survivors every season that were probably not my favorite when I watched them the first time. And also, we watched Survivor the other day, and like there were survivors wearing toe rings. Who wears a toe ring out in the middle of the beach for that long? Remember toe rings used to be a thing? I almost forgot. And then when you said it, I got a horrible flashback. The turn of the century. Everybody had a toe yeah. ring on. What were yeah. we thinking? I don't know. They're kind of <laughs> gross. So gross. And it would scrape you if you were on a thing like Survivor. Like you don't want that just being on there. But they believed in their fashion choice. The toe would have fallen off. <laughs> the, the, just it. The things that I'm noticing on Survivor. <laughs> if you've enjoyed Melanie and I chatting about the arts and all kinds of other things as well. It's all art. It's all art. It's all all art. (laughs) I mean, it's all the craft of acting. You can, (laughs) you can rate me on iTunes and leave a review. Helps the show. It helped me. Melanie, thank you again. And I wish you you all the very best for whatever gig is coming up next your way. And I know there's going to be a lot because you're (laughs) invaluable. Oh, well, thank you. And I hope you're well.